Hey, what up? Podcast Rebellion. We're back at it again here in the Second Line Studio. I'm your host, Zach Perry. Joining me as always, Nicholas Carr, Benjamin Woodhouse. Recapping week 14. Um, Ole Miss coming off another bye, so no hangover edition this week. Uh, and it appears as of today that Ole Miss will not have a game for a second consecutive week after the Texas A&M contest has been postponed. I have to say, guys, I think Jimbo Fisher and the Aggies are kicking themselves for ducking Lane Kiffin and the Rebels the first go-around, aren't they? Yeah, especially seeing what they did against Auburn last weekend, rushing the ball. You know, I don't know. I think the SEC is probably maybe going to try and move this around so that maybe they, they pull that Texas, that Texas A&M-Tennessee game forward a week and then push Ole Miss Texas A&M back a week. But, man, if the Aggies are not able to get that extra game in, you know, they're going to rue that. Yeah, they're going to do everything in their power for A&M to play Ole Miss, too. I just – the conspiracy theorist in me thinks that they're going to do everything they can to get A&M as many wins as they can. And so, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, I'd love nothing more than for Matt Corral to play spoiler and, and beat A&M in Kyle Field. It would have been fun. And, and look, here, before we get to the recap of the week that was – the bummer here is it would have been a free shot on national television, 7 p.m. CBS. That's the bummer. National stage against a team that is desperately trying to get into the college football playoff. And look, I think it's a probably the worst matchup for Ole Miss on uh, on paper and on the field. Um, the Aggies incredibly physical on Saturday against Auburn. We'll get to that in a moment. Isaiah Spiller would have a field day against this Ole Miss defense as just a shell of itself at this point against the run uh, and Spiller is a hell of a back. We can't take anything away from him, but even with all of that said, you get to put Ole Miss's offense on the field against that A&M defense and Hey, let the chips fall where they may. It would have been fun. Yeah. I almost think if anything, nah, I guess you want Texas A&M to have a win, but like if, if Texas A&M comes out and beats Ole Miss, I don't know. Let's just call it basically what that Alabama game was 63 to 48. Would that like look good to the playoff committee that they gave up, you know, forty plus points to Ole Miss? I, I mean, it's almost like a negative if that happens, right? It's a win, but right, and that's a look. I don't think A and M's getting into the playoff. I think it's going to be Alabama, it's going to be Notre Dame, it's going to be Clemson, and it might just be Florida. Um. I, who knows? I I don't know. I, I think Florida is one of the probably has an argument for a, the top one of the top four best teams. Uh, we can discuss that here in a minute, but I don't know. I I don't think A&M just just gets to be the play in game because they lost one game early in the season and then were just kind of pretty good to, you know, somewhat really good uh, the rest of the way. I mean, I don't think A&M is in any way dominant. And I mean, what are they going to do? Be the four seed and just play Bama and then get their ass beat again? Yeah, again. I think, too, at some point you can't just look at the, the teams and say, like, the, the head-to-head is the end-all, be-all. I mean, you've got nine other games sample size for both Florida and Texas A&M to say that maybe Texas A&M winning by, what, three points in College Station isn't exactly the best barometer to say, definitively, hey, Texas A&M is better than Florida. I just, I mean, obviously, all else equal, you have to use some sort of tiebreaker, so head-to-head's a good one. But I think that's if, if all else is equal. And if Florida goes out and plays really good against Alabama, I mean, 
they they whipped up on Georgia. Uh, they they've looked better all year than what Texas A&M has done. The only claim to fame Texas A&M has is the fact that they did beat Florida, which is I mean is, is a pretty big one. But they haven't looked like I mean we were looking at Bill C's numbers last week. They were what 14th. I think Florida's sixth in Bill C's numbers. I mean Bill, the you know the advanced analytics show that Florida has been a lot better team. I agree. Look, y'all know where I stand on Florida. I, I think they're definitely one of the best four teams in the country, at least of the of the conferences that have played, you know, let's say more than five games, six games. So, yeah, enough. Right. Um, I, I, I always talk bad about A&M on here, and they just continue to find ways to win. I'm, I'm still not on the A&M train, though. I just – I can't get behind them. I, I did think they looked more impressive – on Saturday than they have pretty much all year. They they looked really good up front on on offense and um they've got a really good running game. They do. And um that being said, you know, that plays right into what Alabama is so good at stopping or mm-hmm. their top four teams are. I mean, it just for me to put A and M in the playoff you need to, re- to in order to be you know win the national championship or have a chance. I guess you need to have a great quarterback. Even if you're at Alabama, mm-hmm. I mean they have great ones. And A&M just doesn't have it. You know Clemson's mm-hmm. got Trevor Lawrence. Alabama has got Mac Jones. I mean Florida's got Kyle Trask. He he looks been good for Notre Dame this year. Bro- obviously, we know how good Justin Fields is. Exactly. So I mean, is Kellen Mond in that conversation? It's not even there's there's no. multiple classes in between the the guys you listed. I mean, it's like there's a, a step down, and you got guys like Zach Wilson, and probably guys like Matt Corral, and then there's another step before I think you get to Kellen Mond. I don't think Kellen Mond is a whole lot above like Bo Nix. He's just plays for a better team. That's right, I agree. And so, I mean, if you took the playoff now and said, okay, let's go Alabama, Clemson, so you got Mac Jones, Trevor Lawrence. Notre Dame, you got M Book and Ohio State, you got Justin Fields. Like that's a good top four. I think everybody would be, you know, good with that, right? Yeah. Or or Florida, who is the probable Heisman winner at this point on Florida's team. Yeah, so all of those I think you've got five, you know, four teams for sure in front of A and M, probably five, including Florida. I mean, I don't know. Maybe they put A and M over Florida. I, I don't think so though. I do yeah, think the only that, well, uh, the only thing there is the head-to-head, and yeah. But I, but I've always thought or been under the impression that the playoff committee is always, "What have you done for me lately?" And you can always have that early loss. We've seen that with Alabama a couple times, and other schools have had an early loss and then have bounced back. Clemson's done it. Um, Florida, so they're going to have take a second loss in the yeah, and that's uh, yeah, unless they beat Bama. Which would that would be a doozy? They beat Bama and Atlanta, and then Bama still gets in. Which I'm I'm fine with that. I don't think that that's crazy, but people will lose their shit over it. Um, but let's just go ahead and jump right into it and talk about A and M winning uh, at Auburn, thirty-one twenty. Again, though, what have you done for me lately? And style points. How are you doing it for me? Kellen Mond is. <laughs> I just, dude. The guy is a former five-star that is just as underwhelming as it gets. And you can tell me, you know, oh, he's the all-time yardage leader in Aggie history, whatever. Well, it took him four years to to pass Johnny Manziel. I'm pretty sure that's who he passed. Just a pedestrian 18 for 23 for 196 and two touchdowns. Just a weird – I mean, look, 
Auburn dropped a pick and Weidermeyer caught it for a touchdown late. I don't think Auburn was winning this game by any stretch, but just not a dominant game that you need to impress a playoff committee if you're wanting to slide in there. Um, but nevertheless, Isaiah Spiller, 20 carries, 120 yards. Um, I mean, that right there against that Auburn defense. Um, now, Ole Miss had success running the football against Auburn as well, but I think Isaiah Spiller runs for at least 220 against Ole Miss. Um but yeah, again, and I'm not going to stay on this too long because I'm with you, Ben. They just don't do it for me. Like Jimbo doesn't, he's not the coach you want if you're trying to impress. He's not somebody that's trying to run up the score like Nick Saban did against LSU and and like Dan Mullen did against Tennessee. He, he's coaching not to lose. He's the most just conservative Let's just keep it by the book and let's just get in it, get in and get out. Let's take care of business and let's go home. You can't do that when you're trying to impress. I don't care if they're ranked fifth right now. If everybody else stays according to plan, you're just going to see the top four teams are just going to be in there. It's going to be Alabama, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Clemson. Yeah. I, and I, I think, too, I mean, Clemson, oh, excuse me, Ohio State looked really good in the games that they've played. Bar, barring the Indiana game, who might just be like a pretty good team. I, I don't think that Texas A&M has really shown me any reason. And two, I think you have to look at it and say, what are we going to, are we going to put Texas A&M at four and we're going to run the game back against Alabama? They've, they've shown it once this year. We've seen it. That was an elimination game for Texas A&M. That's not going to get eyeballs. No. And I think the SEC title game will be a de facto elimination for now. If Florida comes in there and plays a classic, and loses 38-35, then maybe you have a different argument on your hands. But Texas A&M has shown what they can do against the best team in the country. And y'all watched it. It wasn't competitive after the second quarter. I mean, Alabama just you know, sat on them. They lulled them to sleep. So you're not going to get eyeballs. Texas A&M is a, a quote, big school because they're in Texas. It's not really a national brand, especially when you're comparing them to Ohio State. Yeah, I agree. Um, Another thing real quick, Ben, to consider in that – you know, let's say they put A&M in the playoff one versus four. They don't have the offense to even remotely hang with Bama. Like, okay, let's say Bama def- defers the second half, kicks off. A&M goes three and out. Bama scores. Kick back off. Maybe they go three and out again. Maybe they don't. Maybe they get one first down, but they don't score. Bama's going to go up 14 nothing. A&M, Kellen Mond's not the dude that you want in a shootout. That's just not how they operate. So they have no, in my opinion, they don't really have anybody down. Like they don't have a Devontae Smith on that roster. Watermeyer's their pro- probably their most explosive guy without looking at statistics. I mean, he's their, he's their tight end, but he's, he's not Kyle Pitts. Watermeyer's really good, but he's not an explosive guy that's going to stretch the field and keep you in a shootout. So no, I, that one versus four matchup is that's not good for for ratings. Bama would murder them. Yeah, I don't really have much to add. Just to say that A and M, they just kind of constrict you to death. They they had almost forty minutes of possession against Auburn. That's pretty good. good. They were still eleven on third down. That you know. That said, I agree. They don't they don't look like a team that should be in the in the top four. <laughs> All right, we're moving on. Um, staying in the SEC here. Uh, <laughs> we'll just go ahead and get this one out of the way. Um, had a busy day 
on Saturday myself. We were out looking at tile, redoing some bathrooms. But guys, I tell you what, when I got home and I finally got this game turned on, I called the police at least four times because it was just an absolute murder. Uh, Alabama 55, LSU 17. Um, <laughs> Devontae Smith was just silly. Um Eight catches, 231 yards, three touchdowns. Najee Harris, 21 carries, 145, three touchdowns. Mac Jones was surgical. I think he completed 12 straight, 13 straight, um, 20 for 28, 385, four touchdowns. LSU was a disaster. They had, they had a couple, you know, John Emery had a 54-yard touchdown run. That was impressive. Um, but, man, not much else. Um uh, they had a sad, sad, sad Matt Luke field goal in the third quarter. Um, but boy, oh boy, uh, just an absolute mauling. Ben, ben let me ask you, is uh, 45 to 14 at, at the end of the ha- first half, is that greater than, than 17? Why didn't we absolutely load up on Alabama minus 17? In the first half, when we talked about it in the group message, hey, you know, is that the play? But that was the easiest money to be made on Saturday. Am I right? Yeah, you're you're exactly right. Well, I thought the bet of the season was the actual just full game spread, but I think you might be right in that the first half line was even better because you knew that Alabama was going to come out and go up twenty eight nothing in the first quarter, and I think that's what they did. There, there there's be- no possible way you could have held Alabama to less than 30 points and a half. And to, to cover 17, LSU would have to score two touchdowns if you were going to have to hold them to, say, 31. There's no way it was happening. Yeah. It was, so it was 21 nothing at the end of the first quarter, 45-14 to 14 at the end of two, and then uh, 52 to fifty two to 17 at the end of three quarters. <laughs> I mean, well, that's oh. just because they put the brakes on in the third quarter. I mean – Oh, oh know, yeah, absolutely. They I mean, they ran 90 if they wanted to. Well, they ran a guy named Jace McClellan five times. Uh, Roy Dell Williams ran three times. Uh, Bryce Young ran once and threw a pass. So I mean, that's that's the whole fourth quarter. All right. Uh, we don't have to spend any more time on this because, dude, it was, it was a joy to watch. Uh, Nick Saban was out for some just absolute fucking blood in this one. Ed Orgeron was just vintage 2007 on the sidelines, throwing his headset down throwing a tantrum. Uh, and just to cap it all off, you had Our Lady of the Lake signage all over the stadium, which is just chef's kiss. Um, hey, real, real quick, have y'all heard okay. of any of these? These are the receivers for LSU. Uh, Kayshawn Butte, Torrey Carter, John Tay Kirkland, Eric Gilbert, Trey Palmer, Coy Moore. Have y'all heard of any of those guys? Well, I know Butte and Gilbert are the two true freshmen that are both going to be really – Eric Gilbert's a sure. – Looks just like DK Metcalf. He's a monster. Um, Butte had a couple nice catches, um, but yeah, no. The but, rest but, are but that's, nobody. Those are the guys. There's no Terrace Marshall left on that team. I mean, Kayshawn Butte had eight catches for 111 yards. He's all they had out there, pretty much. And I'm sure some of those were in garbage time. That's all, man. If we don't get to play LSU this year, you know, it's going to be a. We're going to think about that forever. Yeah, it's. Whew, yeah. Um, All right, we're going to take our break. When we come back, we'll talk the rest of the SEC and then some other national games we'll touch on that are impacting uh, the college football playoff race. But hang tight. Quick word from our lovely sponsors, and then we'll be back to talk more Week 14. 
It's Zach again, Podcast Rebellion, to remind you of our lovely sponsors here at the show. If you like New Orleans-inspired cuisine, go see Kelly English and the good folks in Memphis at Second Line or Restaurant Iris for some fantastic food and cocktails. You can also travel down to the coast to Magnolia House in Biloxi at Harris Gulf Coast. Blackjack, craps, slots, southern cooking, cocktails, what's not to like? All three fantastic establishments, part of the Kelly English Restaurant Group. Good food, good people, good cocktails. It can't be beat. That's Second Line, Restaurant Iris in Memphis, and Magnolia House in Biloxi. Speaking of good food, if you're in Oxford, go see Greg and the good folks at LB's Meat Market, the inaugural sponsor of this year's podcast, on University Avenue, across from Kroger. Celebrate with the best protein for your almost grilling needs with Greg and the rest of the folks there. And be sure to tell them that Red Cup sent you for exclusive deals and promotions. Remember, the Philly combo is back for just $10 right now. And you've got your lunch specials 11 to 3.30, Monday through Friday. That's LB's Meat Market on University, across from Kroger. Arby's is full of shit. LB's has the meats. Speaking of Oxford, if you're looking to get some libations going... Be sure to check out Wonderbird Spirits, North Mississippi's first distillery. It's a quick little eight-minute drive south of Oxford on Old Taylor Road, and it's the only spot in the Magnolia State for a true grain-to-glass gin experience. The space is fantastic. Chan and the rest of the guys there are doing some fantastic stuff. Uh, go there, get a tour, do a tasting, or you could do both. Inquire about maybe renting it out for a private event, maybe a anniversary a wedding reception, a rehearsal dinner, something. The place is amazing. That's Wonderbird Spirits, North Mississippi's first distillery in Taylor, Mississippi. And be sure to follow them on Instagram for all their latest updates and uh, comings and goings there at Wonderbird. Speaking of libations, if you're in Memphis and you're looking to stock the cooler this year, Old Dominic on South Front Street is your place to go. Just like Wonderbird, you can go there for a tasting, for a tour, or both. And be sure to check out their rooftop bar, which is super awesome. has some great views of downtown Memphis, of the Mississippi River. Uh, you can try their Healing Station High Rye Bourbon, the Memphis Toddy, the Memphis Vodka, or the new Honey Bell Vodka. You can get it all there or at your local package store. So celebrate with that Healing Station bourbon, a very small batch High Rye Bourbon by the folks at Old Dominic. It's a bold, classic whiskey with notes of stone fruit, dark cherry, and just the right amount of spice and heritage that dates back to 1866. You can enjoy it neat or even in your favorite cocktail like an old-fashioned. It's got a mash bill of 52% corn, 44% rye, and 4% malt. Healing Station stands alone in its category of high-rye bourbons. So you could do that, or you can enjoy a quick taste of Memphis Toddy before the game this weekend, and then you can wind down with that Healing Station afterwards. So, like we always say, ask your, pa- ask, ask your package store where you can find Healing Station by Old Dominic. And, as always, OD encourages you to share SIP responsibly. And last but certainly not least, if you're in the market for a new vehicle, make it a Clark Ford vehicle. Corey Clark and the rest of the folks in Amory, Mississippi on Highway 25 are committed to finding you a new vehicle today. Be sure to browse their inventory online, request more information about the vehicles, set up a test drive, and inquire about financing all online. If you want to do it a little old school, maybe uh, conversate 
via telephone. You can give them a call at 662-257-1900 and get in a new Ford today. And we are back here on Podcast Rebellion Week 14 Recap. All right, another mauling uh, wasn't as bad as Alabama LSU. Number six, Florida 31, Tennessee 19. Uh, This one was pretty hapless. I caught uh, a good bit of this game as we were putting the tree up. Uh, Kyle Trask, 35 of 49 for four, 33 and four touchdowns. Uh, Kyle Pitts, seven catches, 128. The dude is just making money hand over fist every week he plays. the funniest stat of this game, uh, Florida ran the ball 17 times for 19 yards. Ooh. The rest was through the air, 452 uh, total yards. 433 of those came through the air. Um, what more can you say about Kyle Trask and what they've done since they lost to AM? They have just been a machine, and Tennessee has no clue who their quarterback is. Uh, they can't run the ball, and obviously defensively, they were just abysmal. Uh, somehow Tennessee had 24 first downs and had the ball for 33 minutes of this game. Um, but, I mean, this was – you can ignore the statistics. I mean, you saw – if you watched this game, you know what you saw. Yeah, so what's even crazier is Florida had 19 yards rushing and 17 came on one carry. Said, you know – 16 more carries for two two yards uh, and still 131-19. And uh, I, don't, I don't have much to say about this. I, I thought Florida would win uh, by a larger margin. I think it says more about anything that, you know, Tennessee had, you know, he split reps. Did the quarterback get hurt in this game? Uh, yeah, I think uh, Harrison Bailey started and got hurt. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I don't know. That. There's a lot of quarterbacks up in Tennessee. None of them are any good. I was about to say, he had 5.3 yards per completion before he got hurt, so it's not like he was running it out. The (laughs) game leader for the Vols on ESPN, JT Shrout, no clue. Never heard of that guy until just now. Yeah, he was a a backup. Um, I I think Shrout started, excuse me. No, Bailey Bailey started, and then they brought in Shrout, which was kind of dumb because Bailey's your true freshman quarterback. If you're going to go with the true freshman, I was talking to a Tennessee buddy of mine. He was saying, I mean, if you're going to go with the true freshman, if he sucks, I mean, unless he's throwing like seven interceptions. But, I mean, he wasn't that bad. He was 14-21 and 21 for 111 yards. If he's your guy, keep him in there. I think Shrout's a junior. It's not like he's the quarterback mm. of the future. Harrison Bailey's yeah. the quarterback of the future. Florida had nine know. guys catch a pass. Whew. Good game. And, and I mean, honestly, Tennessee had a decent game plan against Kyle Pitts. And he still had seven catches for 128, which, I mean, it says more about Pitts than anything. But, I mean, Kadarius Tony was the benefactor of that. He had a big day. He had a touchdown. He was open a lot because of how much they were focused on Pitts. He's he's the if, – if, 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 if you get Percy Harvin at Publix, Kadarius Tony is, <laughs> is like the upper echelon of food line, Percy Harvin. Now, Percy right. Harvin, yeah. it's, it's, it's high praise. Kadarius Tony is a dog. That dude is good. Um, he is good. I agree. He's the perfect complement to Kyle Pitts. He does. He's he's. They use him a lot. Like like Ole Miss uses Elijah Moore. They move him all over the place. And um, I'll give props to Dan Mullen. 
this was a game that he could have coached like Jimbo coached the Auburn game where he could have just played it safe, just got in there, got a win and and, and leave. But no, they let trash spin it and um, they handled their business because Tennessee, look, all jokes aside, Tennessee's defense is not terrible. They've got talent over there. And so they were able to to get some some three and outs. They were able to get a couple stops on fourth down. Florida was going for the jugular the whole game. Um, they know where they are right now in terms of the college football playoff, and they know they have to impress. So good on Dan Mullen for uh, for giving the fans something to watch because this could have just been a you know twenty five to nineteen laugher, and they tried to hang forty or fifty on them. But real quick, does anybody know who uh, Florida's last game is? Uh, no, I do not. LSU. Oh, oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, baby. Yeah, you talk about wanting to impress the committee before you have to go off and play Alabama. I mean, an LSU team that probably—I mean, I haven't seen the news yet. They'll probably have two more opt-outs this week. If I had to guess, I mean, they're, they're averaging about two a week. So, I mean, who knows? They'll probably lose another quarterback or something. Oh, and speaking of opt-outs, y'all, did y'all see Tennessee's uh, kicker opted out today? <laughs> after after eight games, that's, man, my that's, man was just my man was just fed up. Like, fuck y'all, I'm done. Um, yeah, I. Who would have thought that LSU would go undefeated, win every damn award, and win the whole fucking thing, and then just be everybody's whipping boy the next year? What a time! I mean, they could realistically go two and eight. This this year, I mean, I don't say realistically. Yeah, they will probably it, go two and eight if the games get played. Well, as of right now, if Ole Miss is getting another week to prepare, oh, Lane Kiffin is going to do his fucking best to hang a fifty burger on LSU. Mm-hmm. You can take that to the proverbial bank. Um, all right, we'll touch on the sleeper of the night before we get to probably the most exciting game of uh, the weekend. South Carolina, 18. Kentucky Wildcats, 41. I'll say this. Shane Beamer's got some something to work with. Um, Luke Doty, who I've said this the last couple weeks, looks way too swole to be a quarterback. Um, showed some things. He can move around. He can run. Uh, and, and Kevin Harris, the running back for South Carolina, in a losing effort, 21 for 210. That dude is a horse. Um and then DeCarry and Joyner, little baby Dak, converted quarterback, four catches, 43 yards, and a touchdown. But, man, this one was all Terry Wilson, all Chris Rodriguez, Kentucky on senior night for them. That was a big night for them after the passing of their offensive line coach. Heavy hearts, very emotional senior night for those guys. Um, you have to think that that they were pretty happy to, to get that win for uh, for the family of the coach that passed away from cancer. His name has escaped me and I feel terrible not knowing his name, but um, big win for, for Stoops and, and the boys up there in Lexington. Yeah. You know, this, Go ahead. This game is closer than 23 points. I think, I mean, let me rephrase. I think it's like 27 to three at halftime, but the, in the stat yep. uh, area, uh, Kentucky only outgained South Carolina by like 75 yards. Um, and, while that may seem like a lot, when you're dealing with four and five hundred yard offensive productions, it's not that much. South Carolina just had four turnovers. You know, I mean, mm. that's just name of the game. So, but anyway, I, I I did not expect the game to be this out of hand. I think we talked about it. It was a stay away game on the uh, pick show, but 
I mean, this is just a sign of a team who, you know, doesn't have a head coach anymore. Yeah, and both these teams are done. I didn't realize that. I guess because we have so much football left to be played, but they're finished. So, you know, the players can, which is, I mean, it's probably for the best when you just lost your coach. And I know, you know, in South Carolina's case, the coach was fired. In Kentucky's case, they literally, you know, had a coach pass away this season. So, I mean, it's been a long season for both these teams. I'm sure they're happy to get to the end of it. You know, that they lost for South Carolina was probably of not much concern to them on, on Sunday morning. I think they're, you know, probably ready to meet their new coach and kind of get, you know, see who, you know, what players are going to stick around, what players are going to be, you know, coming in from the transfer portal and coming in recruiting class. So, you know, I, I, I do think that, that, you know, the running back from South Carolina, he's a sophomore. Is that right, Zach? So, I mean, he could be very, very good next year. Yeah. And I'm going to pull it up real quick because I, I'm losing my mind. I, this, this season has just been bonkers from start to finish, but uh, I do want to remind everyone. Uh, so Kevin Harris, obviously the the back, he, he went over a thousand yards uh, this season, torched Ole Miss, did whatever he wanted. Um, but you also got to remember Marshawn Lloyd, the uh, true freshman from Dematha Catholic, um, tore his ACL before the season started. He was a high, I think it was a top one hundred four star, five nine two ten. Two-headed monster back there for Shane Beamer running the football with him and Kevin Harris in 2021 is going to be a lot of fun to watch. They bring back um, just running through their roster here. I mean, I think Doty is going to be the the starter next year. Had some experience um, playing, and then I mentioned Dakirian Joiner as a converted wide receiver. He's a hell hell of an athlete. Um, but then you've got some some booking guys on the defense and Jordan Birch, the former five star that they beat out Clemson for Zach Pickens. Another five-star they beat out Clemson for. So the cupboard's not bare for Shane Beamer. He can get in there. He's familiar with that territory. He's been there before. He can recruit. It's. I want to see what kind of staff he gets. Um, I'm obviously kind of quasi-linked to South Carolina due to uh, laws in Tennessee. But um, I, I wasn't wowed by the hire. I know it made a ton of sense with Beamer not having a buyout and COVID really just draining schools bank accounts this season but i'm interested to see what they do because there's there's talent in columbia so it's going to be interesting to see what they do next season yeah i absolutely i mean i i'm not as big on the shane the shane beamer hired i think it's tough you look around the sec at, at what coaches have succeeded having not been a, a coordinator before i mean i know people like to point to ed order on because of what he did it at LSU, but you know he did not do that at Ole Miss. That was his first job. I don't think Shane Beamer is is a, a moron like you know Ed Orgeron was in Oxford. It's a big step up from where he has been to be. Yeah, I I agree. Um, all right, so last game that we're going to touch on here from the SEC, uh, easily the most exciting game of the weekend. Missouri at home, 50. Arkansas, 48. Um, the folks that are wringing their, their, wringing their hands and clutching their pearls about Mississippi recruiting probably hated to watch this because K.J. Jefferson took over for the Hogs, 18 of 33, 274, three touchdowns. Traylon Burks had a huge day for Arkansas, 10 catches, 206 yards, and uh, one touchdown. Um, man, it, it, this was a wild one. 
Um, Connor Bazelak, 32 of 49 for 380. Larry Roundtree, 185, three touchdowns. I didn't get to see any of this one. I need to go back and watch the highlights because it looks like it was a fun one. So, um, man, what a game in Columbia, Missouri. Yeah, I agree. You know, it's it's always good to see the local guys do well. And K.J. Jefferson certainly looked the part. You know, 18 for 33, three touchdowns. His QBR was good. He ran the ball well. I mean, Arkansas, was it Trelon Smith? Almost seven yards per carry. And T.J. Hammonds had almost nine yards per carry. I mean, yeah. man, they they ran the ball well against Missouri. Average six-yard course Mizzou also ran the ball well, averaging over seven yards a carry. Um, just a lot of offense. I guess when the score is 50 to 48, that's kind of what, you know, how things are. But, uh, yeah, yeah, that would be an exciting game. Biggest comeback in Missouri history, I think it said. So you had Missouri scores 10 in the first. Uh, so it was 10-6 Missouri after the first quarter. Arkansas had 21 in the second quarter. Then third, uh, six points for Arkansas, three for Missouri. So everybody took a breather. And then the fourth quarter, you had 15 for Arkansas and 27 fourth quarter points for Eli Drinkwitz and that offense. Huge, huge game for Missouri. They are now five and three on the season. Arkansas, it sucks to lose, but uh, that look, I, I made the jokes. We all did early in the season. Sam Pittman, he's got him going in the right direction. Kendall Browse and that offense is a lot of fun. Barry Odom didn't show it this day, um, but their defense has been much improved. They're only three and six, but I think if 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 you told Arkansas fans you were going to go three and six, and you told them how they got to three and six, I think they would be pleased. I agree. I, look, you know, a three and seven year looks on the surface looks bad, but Arkansas has not looked bad. I mean, they've they've competed in every game. Um, you know, they've. I don't think that they've been blown out this year, at least since Georgia. Now they're going to get beat pretty bad by Alabama, but everybody does. So you know, they've played well. They they uh, they put thirty five on Florida. I mean, they played A&M close. We're talking about top 10 teams. You know, we talk bad about A&M, but uh, truth be told, they're, you know, they're still a top 10 team rankings-wise, and Arkansas has played them well. So, you know, they got a lot to look forward to. K.J. Jefferson is going to be good. He looked good. Yeah. Arkansas going to be uh, <clears throat> hell to pay in the West if uh, they can hold on to Kendall Bryles and, and Barry Odom. They're going uh, to be on the market at some point. I wonder, you know, we talked about Shane Beamer. Also, shout out to our legal gambling counsel, Austin Gray, for picking under 57 as a lock. (laughs) It hit 98. Yeah, I will will pat myself on the back. Um, Did call Arkansas to cover this one, and I was a little weary after I said it. Um, Because Missouri's looked good the last couple weeks, but I just had a weird feeling that this was going to be a tight one. The border war is always fun. Um, But uh, Arkansas... Falls to three and six, like I said, Missouri five and three. Uh, all right, that's going to do it for the week 14 recap. There's not much really to talk about nationally. I think we've already kind of covered it earlier on the in the first segment about the college football playoff. I think it's pretty straightforward right now. Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson, and Ohio State. Um, but we'll be back later this week. We'll, we'll figure out something to talk about. We'll, we'll, we'll obviously pregame or pre <laughs> preview um, 
week 15. We'll give you some locks this week as well. Um, but we'll, uh, we'll make do with what we have. We'll miss right now. Looks like they're getting another week to prepare for LSU to close the season. Hey, got a chance to finish over 500. So um, that's going to do it for Podcast Rebellion. Thank you all for listening. Uh, I will say, be sure, go check out badkickdrinkingshirts.com slash Rebellion. Go buy some swag. We've got the Air Kiffin shirts that are back in stock. We we were running out of those. We couldn't keep those on the shelves. And then we obviously have the new Golden Corral shirt. Um, we're we're, we're going to try to run that uh, the rest of the year and then get it in uh, for 2021 to uh, get Matt Corral's Heisman campaign going. So be sure to check that out. Be sure to stay locked in at redcupperblaine.com. Keep up with us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff to keep up and stay in the know about Ole Miss's week off and uh, getting ready for the final game of the season against LSU. So for Nick over there and for Ben, I'm Zach. This has been Podcast Rebellion. Thank you all for listening. We out.